This podcast is produced by Unedited. You're listening to The Last Set, a podcast series about the love of music that celebrates the DJ as they prepare for their final gigs, all hypothetically, of course. From radio shows to concerts, DJs play a big role in the music that we love and enjoy. They see the world in BPMs and soundtrack our lives. My name is Ace. I'm a radio and TV presenter and, of course, a DJ. In this series, I'll be talking to my fellow DJs and music selectors about the songs that they would play in their final sets and how they would immortalise themselves and the music that means the most to them. If Jazzy B brought back the African Centre okay, and I knew I had those ears, I would play this tune. This would work there? This would absolutely work Shut there. Shut it down. That said, if I was doing my last set, I would also play it because it wouldn't matter if no one went with it because I wasn't going to play again anyway, so it wouldn't matter. My guest today is the world-famous DJ Spoonie, a radio and television presenter. Born in East London to West Indian parents, he got his start on pirate radio on London Underground FM in the mid night. Throughout his career, he's played on KISS, BBC Radio 1 and BBC Radio 2. He has had residencies in Ibiza and Ayanapa for over 10 years and you can see and hear him on deck regularly across the Mediterranean islands. So Spoonie, welcome. Thank you very much Ace for having me. Thanks for coming man. I'm a little bit nervous about this. Why are you, why are you nervous? Have you ever thought about your last set? No, I, I haven't really. Yeah. I, well, I don't think I have. I most probably subconsciously have. Have you ever thought about your ultimate set? I think that's something that most DJs can think about, like the place, what's happened, who's there, like the ultimate kind of dream DJ set. Have you thought about that before? I have, but okay. just like just like a normal dream of mine, there's some oddities in there that make it impossible. Like I would see myself at a venue that would be on the beach, but I know that venue is not on the beach. Okay. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you must have played in some amazing spots over the years. You've played all over the world. I mean, is there one in particular? This might not be the place you want to have your last set, but one of your most favourite, most iconic DJ sets. What was the venue? Yeah, for, for, for different reasons. I mean, I, I, played a, um, I played at a private event in the south of France which I don't think in my lifetime I'll ever go back to this particular spot. It okay. was so it was so picture card beautiful. I played at a wedding on the Amalfi Coast. Oh, Again, wow. just phenomenal viewpoint. But then I think back to a gig in 2001 with, uh, with Radio 1, Macronisos Beach in Ayanapa. And Say like that again, Macronisos. Macronisos okay. Beach. Okay, Macronisos. Beach yeah. uh, in, in Ayanapa. Mm -hmm. And I think most of my best memories are ones that I have with Timmy and Mikey, just because the best memories are always shared, right? Yeah, like, 100%. It, listen, like DJing, it can be a lonely existence at, time, uh, at times, but being out with the boys, that's when we had like the most fun, the, the best memories, I think. Definitely, shared memories are the ones, man. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, your last DJ set ever, yeah? This has got to be the one. This is the this is the actual ultimate DJ Spoonie set. This is how you're leaving us. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with where the last set would be played and why. Oh, wow. Um, right. So th this is, like I said, in my dreams, this is kind of how it happens. That I would love it to be a twice as nice event. Of course. Because I think that that one club night gave so much to my DJ career. It gave so much to me. And when I think back at all of the gigs, the hundreds, the thousands of gigs that I've ever done, various twice as nice gigs keep popping up. Now, would it be at the Coliseum? 
Would it be a twice as nice event? Legendary. You'd have to bring it to South London. Why not? (sighs) Why not? Because I'm a North Londoner, really. And maybe if I pay tribute to South London with the club night, but I I might have to make it international. I don't know. It might have to be, we might have to do twice as nice on the beach in Ayanapa. Oh, wow. And the reason I say that again is, you know, I I loved that period, that golden period of UK garage, traveling back and forth to Cyprus with Timmy and Mikey some of the time, some of the times on my own. But yeah, that was a that was a groundbreaking time uh, for us, a very special time in in my career. Whatever it is that I've achieved post that, whatever it is that I go on to achieve post this conversation, I will never ever forget those days and times on in, in Cyprus and at Twice As Nice. Let's talk about Twice As Nice uh, quickly because it was such an error. Talk to us about that brand and what it meant to the culture and just Raven culture and yourself, like how how big of a deal was Twice as Nice to you? I mean, the thing was, right, that, so there's a slight backstory that before Twice as Nice, there's a an event called Pleasure Playground at the Arches. If you went over Blackfriars Bridge and turned left or you went over London Bridge and turned right, it was on the arches in between the two bridges. And uh, myself, Timmy, Mikey, Carl Tough Enough Brown and Matt Jam Lamont all used to play. Lineup. All used to play at this event, yeah. right? And... They, the, the, the venue lost its license. And then it was a case of what do we do next? Mm-hmm. So myself and Matt Jam Lamont decided that we were going to wait for Steve Gordon and look for this new venue, whatever this new venue was. And, and we did that. And Matt at the time, you know, Matt was the main DJ. So Matt had played at the venue longer. Matt was twice as nice. It was Matt Jam Lamont and DJ Spoonie, which was, you know, it's fine for me, you know, by then he'd had, you know, Tough Jam had had loads of remixes. Matt had had some big tunes on the scene. He was a much more established DJ than me. I was still, you know, I was still working nine to five. Anyway, we've gone to we've gone to uh, the Coliseum and the first sort of five, six weeks were really quiet. Bank holiday came. It was unbelievable. Roadblock around the corner. And, and then Steve Gordon came to me and said, look, Matt's not coming. I know you've already played the early set. Can you play late set as well? And I was like, yeah, like of, like of course I can. And, and, and that was it. And it then became, not because I was playing the last set, but it then became the place to be on a, on a Sunday. And, you know, whether the big superstars came in from America, you know, I've been there and, you know, Wesley Snipes, when Wesley Snipes was what? the A-lister. Wesley Snipes came in and raved at twice as nice. Hard, bunning, bunning. It was just... <laughs> Just chilling. Remember, there's no camera phones. There's Blade no, no. was in the dance. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Blade was in the place. Okay. And he was, you know, the highest grossing actor in the world at the time. Right. He was like a real, real, real A-lister, right? So, but these, you know, the Spice Girls, they would always be. But not only just those famous people, I would often see other DJs and MCs and say, oh, what time are you playing? They're like, no, I'm not, not playing tonight. I'm just raving. Right. And that's when you knew you was in the place. Mm. It's like restaurants. You know, if you... If you fancy a Chinese and you go into the Chinese restaurant and there's a lot of Chinese people in there, you know, this is the good food. For sure. If you go to an ends and you want to go and get a rice and peas yep. and a stewed chicken, I don't eat chicken or a, or a brown stew fish, right. and you see a lot of your own people, you go, yeah, this food must this be nice. Yeah. This, when I was walking around the club at Twice As Nice and I saw my peers, the DJs, the MCs, the, the DJs from other genres in there, I said, yeah, this is the spot, man. This is the spot. Twice as nice was more than just a club night. You you, you compiled some albums for them as well. Like, ha- talk to us about the brand itself and what it did for the culture. Yeah, I, I think it had that perfect fusion of garage, which was you know the hottest thing. It, it was our thing. It was a UK thing, 
and we still played, you know, R&B, hence the name Twice As Nice. So even my friends that were jungle and drum and bass, like DJ Ron and Jumping Jack Frost, were always up in the Coliseum. Right. Goldie, always at, at the Coliseum at the end, always, right? So it just had that perfect mix of music. You could have a good rave in room one, or you could go and cool and chill out in, in room two. Not really chill out, because it was a, it was a big enough room two to be a big club night on its own. Right. But then, you know, the brand meant that we could do twice as nice in London. We could do it in Birmingham and Manchester and Cyprus and Ibiza. And then we'd do a compilation album where, you know, I would mix one, Steve Sutherland would mix the other, RIP Steve Sutherland. And, you know, and, and, and the sound and the energy, you know, just gave us success whether we were doing a club night or trying to sell an album. Great times, man. All right, so uh, we know this last set is in Ayanapa. Uh, it's on the beach. It's a twice as nice rave. Before we get into your first tune, what are you wearing? Because that Spoonie always comes fresh. You know what I mean? So what is what, what are you wearing? What, what's on the... <laughs> uh, most most probably if I'm in Cyprus, I'll go yeah. for a nice linen two-piece short okay. suit. Yeah. I think something cool like that. But what shades, man? And the expensive ones? I don't know. Yeah, name, uh, what glasses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to name drop brands. <laughs> I'm not getting sponsored. But I'll have a nice pair of sunglasses. A nice, a nice pair of sunny. There you go. <laughs> All right, so we've, we're painting the picture. Let's go with the first record in this set. What is the first tune? How are you opening this last set? Gee whiz, man. Now this gets difficult. All right, before I play my last set, the caveat would be I would have to tell everybody this is going to be my last set. So this, the speech is important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to everybody that I want them to trust me as they always have done okay. on this journey. Because now we, this is going to be an anthology of my career. You made it deep though, man. Yeah, but it's a deep it thing. It's my last set. It don't get much deeper. I hear you, I hear you. You know what I mean? Other than walking, there's going to be nothing in my life that's as much as playing music. You're right. So for that reason, uh, I'm just going to have to explain to them that you're going to hear some big, big tunes, but they're not all going to be garage. But I am going to start with a garage record because I think it's important to start with a garage record. There's one of two records that it would be. It would either be My Desire, because it was one that we did, and a lot of people don't know that we remixed it. Or a record that I regularly either signed on with or ended twice as nice. And it was produced by MJ Cole for a singer called Guy Simone called Your Mind. It's a garage record with all intents and purposes, but it's a modern day funk soul record at 128 BPM. Should we go with this one? Yeah. We'll go with this one. Yeah. So what is it about this record, uh, Guy Simone, Your Mind, why this record? Why is this the record to open the set? Because it reminds me of being at Twice As Nice. And one of the, the beautiful things, and arguably as a DJ, the most beautiful thing about being resident at that club night was my freedom to play whatever it was that I wanted to play. Right. And as we know, whether we're on the radio or in a club, when you feel that you can flex and spread your wings, that's when you play the best. When we don't feel confined, we can operate in a like we're in our bedroom. Right. You know what I mean? We can we can do that mixtape that that mixtape that exists in our heads. We can play it in the club. And whenever I got on the decks at twice as nice, 
I always felt that I had the trust of the audience to play within the remit of UK Garage, whatever it was. Now, when I say whatever in the remit of UK Garage, there were some records which technically weren't or aren't UK Garage records, but I felt that I could play them and did play them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the rest, as they say, is history. But this Guy Simone record was one that I couldn't play at every Garage club, but I looked forward to playing it at Twice as Nice. I've always wanted to know, as you as somebody that's seen as one of the pioneers and somebody that helped Garage become what it was, and Garage being a genre that was made by your peers, that's the thing. That's like For me as an R&B and hip-hop DJ, when I was coming up, I never thought I'd ever meet Jay-Z. So I can play these records. I'm not, not going to meet Mary J. Blige and all these. But these are like your friends that are putting records in your hands. Was that more difficult or was it easier being that these are your, your peers, you're playing their records? I think it made it more special in a way. I think it filled you with a lot of pride that you'd play something off of a dub or an acetate early on or a test pressing, and then it got into the charts. Right. And you just felt, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I... Backed. Part of the journey. I, I was a part of the journey. Right. Um, where, listen, I, I love my rap and hip-hop, you know, just like you. In fact, I have a extensive rap and hip-hop collection before Garage even came along. Right. But I never ever felt that me playing this is going to make a material difference to... Jay-Z, EPMD, Public Enemy, or Biggie Smalls. Mm. You know, and I'm not just talking about the names that we know, Miss Dynamite or Wookie or MJ Cole. I'm talking like, you know, the Genius Crew or the K2 family and, you know, stuff to people that you don't necessarily uh, roll off the tip of your tongue. But being that they were so close to you as well, were there ever issues when you maybe didn't play a record or you didn't get behind someone's record that considered was your friend <laughs> not 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 so much my friend but people like, we've always been really accessible uh, and I'll speak on behalf of Timmy and Mikey here as well we've always been been really accessible but I think we've always been we've always been fair so if there's a record that we didn't play or wouldn't play for a particular reason like we would give constructive sort of feedback and okay. it would never ever be I'm not playing your record it yeah. would be we're not going to play this record okay because it's important to keep that integrity mm -hmm. for the audience. And thus, when I do turn around and go, right, I've got this tune from DJ Ace and it's brilliant, the audience don't go, last time you said that was rubbish. So that's, that, that's, <laughs> right. that's not good. Do you it's know what I mean? important for your brand. Um, I remember getting behind one single, which was, uh, I say I, we, uh, which was massive, went on to, you know, top three national charts. And then it came with the next single, which we, and I'm, I've been told this story by the artist and played it. And then I went, oh, no, it's okay, but it's not right. like the other one. Mm. And, and, and they laugh about it. We said, but actually you were, you were being honest and we felt that about the song as well. But it's like, you know, if you come with, if you come with the heat, we'll, we will gladly play it. I think know? a lot of people need to hear that because sometimes like artists come with the, the heat with the first single and the second single was not great and people feel like they just got to play it because the first one was good. No, like let's play it because it's good, not because they had a banger before. So salute to you. Sport. Yeah, we tried. Listen, we, 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 still, we still played it. I mean, it just, we just weren't able to give it the the full, full, yeah. full support that we did the first time. But listen, if the third single then was big again, we would have we said that. All right, so we are detailing Spoonie's final set. And uh, the next question is, what is the one song you've wanted to play but never had the opportunity to? Wow. Um, there's most probably hundreds that fall into this category because I am a lover of soul and reggae and rare groove and okay. people most probably know me for playing more tempo music whether it be house or garage or a variation of 
Um, so I would, I would like to, in this final set, have a moment in the middle where I break down and go a little bit off piece, where okay. I show a little bit of my musical history, a musical love, my musical foundation, which I think would be of paramount importance in my last ever set. And I would pick a record from an album called Gears by Johnny Hammond Smith and a track called Tell Me What To Do. It's a remarkable piece of music. It's jazzy. It's fusion. It's very soulful. One of my favorite records of all time. For the question um, that I've never got a chance to play, yeah. this is one of those records that I've never had a chance to play out. It can't be because it's soulful. I've heard you play Luther out. I've heard you play... I've heard you play so much. I've heard you play some rare groove out. I've heard you play some reggae out before. Why have you not played this record? Because I, I, I think if I if I got to play at a sort of if Jazzy B brought back the African Center, okay, and I knew I had those ears, I would play this tune. This would work there. This would absolutely work. Shut there. it down. That said, if I was doing my last set, I would also play it because it wouldn't matter if no one went with it because I wasn't going to play again anyway, so it wouldn't matter. Um, <laughs> But the tune is, the, the, you know, the true tune is unbelievable. It's one of my most prized vinyl possessions as well. Let's get into it. All right, so the next question is, what song would you play to save your last set? You know what I mean? Just in case things got tricky, people started going to the bar, going to the toilet, you started to see that dreaded dance floor. You know, you're not supposed to see the dance floor, but you're starting to see it. <laughs> what tune are you going to play to bring it back? If a DJ tells me they've never seen the dance floor oh, you're lying. in that way, you're you've lying. never DJ. You're lying. Like, we've you're lying. all been there. It's, yeah. it's uh, part, of the, part of the service. I would go for... This might be controversial, but I would go for the Jackson 5, I Want You Back. Can't, you can't lose with the Jacksons, can you? No. No. And not that one either. And the reason I like to play that one is because the BPM of it, you know, the low 100s allow me then to build up from there. Okay. If you go for something like, blame it on the boogie, and you're already at 113, 115, you then have to go that way. So you can't build up through the gears. You then can't play a Cheryl Link encore, you can't play a Luther Vandross, no. never too much, because you're already going... You're already up there. Yeah, we're going south yeah, otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is a great choice, great selection. Uh, the Jacksons is definitely going to get people back on the dance floor. All right, so what song in your library would you play to get the big rewind? I I'm sure you had more than a few rewinds over the years. I've had one or two. <laughs> Coliseum, I'm sure they were slapping the tables, pulling up tunes. Uh, what what's a guaranteed big rewind record? I mean, I can tell you there, there, there was tracks that were played at Coliseum that might have been rewound three, four times. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It used to, I, I get goosebumps when I talk about those days. It, they, they were so pure. I mean, one of the records that absolutely happened to was a production by Wookie and most probably one of his lesser known ones called Down On Me. Okay. 
instrumental track. Yep. But when the bass line kicked in in that sound system, Mad. yeah, it's different. I used to mix it right from the beginning as well. So you'd hear it coming in and just, I could feel the energy rising whilst it's coming in and had to concentrate on the mix. Them times I'm playing it on vinyl, right? right. So you couldn't, you had to stay on your ting. No sync button. No sync button. I've ne <laughs> never used, I don't even know how to use a sync button. In fact, I turned up at a club. The, the DJ before was using the decks with the sync button on and I didn't know how to get Turn it off. off. Yeah. I never ever used it. Anyway, we digress. So. I'm playing Wookiees Down on me yeah. and I could just feel, I could just feel it building and I could feel the energy coming back towards the DJ booth. And when that bass line, bah, 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 just, jeez. You guys are DJs as well as uh, producers as well. Talk to us about Wookiee though, man, because he's just something else and made so much timeless records during that time. How important was he in regards to, to the scene? Yeah, yeah, again, he's just, you know, one of our one of our leading lights, someone to, that I'm proud to say that I've known, you know, most of my life. We went to the same secondary school. He's mm. two years younger than me at school. When he had his first garage productions, you know, he worked with Wayne Marshall and on G-Spot uh, prior to coming to do garage with uh, Johnny J and X-Men. So we were, we, were on, we were on Kiss at the time. And I remember um, he did uh, Angel in Disguise, uh, with, with, with Johnny J, which is still one of my favorite, favorite garage yeah. records. And what's brilliant about that remix, which wasn't an official remix, you could play the vocal and the dub. Right. Um, but yeah, he's just, you know, he's brilliant. He's, you know, Battle will go down as one of the greatest garage records of all time. Right. You know, even when he did What's Going On, Soul to Souls, What's Going On, what an unbelievable remix he'd done of that. His, his debut album has got you know, five, six, seven cuts that are brilliant. There's a track that he did on there with Lane, uh, where Lane's talking about the birth of his child. It's, it's just, it's a beautiful, timeless piece of music. So yeah, he's a phenomenally talented producer and, and fair play, more power to his elbow, as they say. Big up to Wookie. Um, a lot of DJs are famous for having like special gems or treats in their crates, uh, remixes or mashups. Uh, what kind of remix or mashup would you like to play for your last set? So. I'm trying to remember who who did this remix. And it's not a track that I hear a lot of DJs play. I think it might be Dimitri from Paris. That's what I think he's who's right. done it. But I can tell you who the original is by, because he's my goat. And the original's by Prince. Hey. And the tracks I Wanna Be Your Lover. Okay. Sing it, y'all. I actually start smiling when I cue it up because I know they're going to go mad for it because it starts a little bit left to center. There's a little round of applause in there and then you hear dun, 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 dun. And everyone, you know, even if you're not right. in, you think you're not you into that music, know. you know this tune, yeah, you start singing, you start dancing. So what, one thing that you uh, are definitely killing it with at the moment is uh, Spoonie's Orchestra. So what do you call it? Spoonie's... Well, it's, it's Garage Classical. Garage Classical. With the Ignition Orchestra, yeah. And you're taking some of the most legendary Garage records and 
giving them back to the audience with an orchestra. Where, where did the idea for this come from? You know, it, it was discussed a while. There's a couple of people that spoke about doing it and, you know, I discussed it with a couple of people and was like, no, it's not going to happen. And then it just happened that, um, that I got asked to curate an event uh, for the Liverpool International Music Festival and went up there, met Katie Chatburn, curated the lineup. Katie took the music and made it into orchestra music. I then made some tweaks yeah. um, in a funny way. So Katie was trying to make it more, more club and I was trying to make it more orchestral. Right. And, and we found that nice balance. Okay. Um, and I think we still find that nice balance. So that's kind of how it came apart, came, came along. And then we, we did an event at the Barbican and Hammersmith. Then, you know, the jewel in the crown for me was when we were able to go and perform wow. at Royal Albert Hall. Amazing. That was phenomenal. You know, but since then, we've done Royal Festival Hall, we've done Roundhouse, we've done Kew Gardens. Did you know instantly that this was something that everybody's going to want to see? Because that, to, like, when, even when, if you were selling it to me, it would sound like a, quite a niche event. Oh, yeah, maybe we did this once a year. A few people will come out, a couple hundred people will come out, but you're selling out every time you go out. Did you know that this is something that everybody would want to see? The, the thing is, you, you actually hope everyone wants to see it, right. but because I knew... You know, the amount of bookings that I was getting, I know that UK Garage was still in demand. And when mm. I speak to Master Steps or Norris the Boss Windross or... The amount of working. The, everyone's, everyone's busy yeah, doing yeah. their thing, you know, MC ranking. So for that reason, I knew there was still a demand for the music. It was just, could we capture their imagination? Now, I knew that I had the sort of standing and the association with the music to go and do it. And then it was just, you know, could we make it happen? And... Oh yeah, yeah. We, we, we've we've learned some stuff along the way, but we've got a we've got a lovely a lovely vibe. We've got a lovely product, if I may even call it that. That yeah. we've you know done some of the most iconic music venues in the UK, and we you know we only do it once, sometimes twice a year. But people people look forward to it. And if you could incorporate Garage Classical into this last set, how would you? How would that? How would you bring that into this final set? Oh wow! I mean, we do we do battle. Um, okay. With the orchestra, um, that must be a moment. Yeah, T Thomas Jewell sings that for us. That's that's rather special because it's a it's a tune that you know everybody loves, and it was quite poignant actually because coming out of lockdown and the struggles and the battles that everybody went through. A lot of people use that record to get through lockdown. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's the, yeah. Poetry. And I think you listen to the words, and they, yeah. you know, they transcend you know many different situations and problems. So yeah, that that was it's it's beautiful to be able to do that. All right, now we're getting to, like, the set is popping off right now. Spoonies in his linen on the beach in Ayanapa is popping off. We're getting big rhythms. Uh, but you got a special guest for the crowd on this Ayanapa beach. Either a special guest DJ or artist, dead or alive. Who would you want to bring out for your final set? Could only be one person. Go on. Prince. Wow. I mean, I say that because I'm, I'm kind of thinking that Timmy and Mikey are going to be there anyway. But us, our, our special guest would be Prince. Okay. Because I would then want to be his DJ and play a couple of backing tracks, let him get his guitar out, let him do some dancing, just have a little jam session for 10 minutes. What songs need to be in that print set? Um, we would have to do, we'd have to do I Want to Be Your Lover. We would have to do 1999. Wow. He, he, he's done a ballad called Pink Cashmere, okay. which is another one of those tracks that has flown under the radar for many. but. If you love a down-tempo track, you need to listen to this. It's six and a half, nearly seven minutes of pure magic. Oh, what you 
and Sign of the Times. I'm getting to do Sign of the Times. Okay. Considering that was written 1987, what's that? 25, 35 yeah. years ago. 35 still years ago. Still very relevant today. The lyrics are still now. You could have written that last year. Yeah, crazy. Um, I always used to think my favorite two artists were Prince and Michael Jackson in that order. But I think it's going to be Prince and Stevie Wonder. Okay. So I'd have to try and find a little something for Stevie. <laughs> Stevie's on a harmonica in the background. Stevie's doing something. <laughs> Stevie may be songwriting. Stevie might have to write a song for Prince to perform. That would be sick. That would be absolutely crazy. Okay, we're getting down to it. Your final song in the set. What songs would you be playing right towards the end of this amazing party? Twice as nice party in Ayanapa on the beach. I think I would have to uh, introduce a genre which I haven't uh, already in my set. I'd have to play a reggae track. Okay. If you're going to play a reggae tune, you have to play a Bob Marley record. Of course. And then I'd play a record that often reminds me of my mum and I'll play Three Little Birds. And I'll play Three Little Birds because I think the sentiment of the song, the fact that everybody knows the words, it's actually a record that I've closed a lot of my sets in Ibiza yes. uh, to as well. For that reason that I think it, it doesn't matter which, which year, which generation you're born to, which genre of music you like and listen to, everybody knows the words to that song and everybody sings to the top of their voice. And if I'm ever having one of those days where the sun isn't shining for me, I could watch that video and just feel, feel nice. Bob always works. Standard. No, no. Um, and what would you like this final DJ set to say about you, Spoonie? He loved his music. He lived through his music. He loved to share his music. He was diverse with his, with his musical taste. And I'd like my final set to reflect that, that he just played good music, two yeah. genres, good music and bad music. And he played a lot of good music. What a party, man. So we're in Ayanapa. Uh, Spoonie's got on the linen. You know what I mean? It's a twice as nice party. Uh, you get a guest performance from Prince. Come we on, end man. with some Bob Marley. That is, that's a party. Well, nice. And you played some garages. And well. we played some garages as well. Did I get invite? Of course. Oh, thanks a lot, man. Of course. Awesome. No party without the ace. Of course. Are you mean? No, 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 want to say a massive thank you to Spoonie for sharing his final set with us. Love the linen shirt, my friend. Hopefully we get a ticket. Thank you for listening to The Last Set, a podcast series that celebrates the DJ as they prepare to immortalise themselves for their final gigs. You can listen to The Last Set on all podcast platforms. The Last Set is produced by Christopher Mitchell for Unedited. 